Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. Hello, and welcome to Advancing All Women. My name is Kristen Lee, and I am the Virtual Learning Manager here at Next Up, where I lead our allyship strategy work among so many amazing programs. What I love about the work that I do is I get to design inclusive learning experiences so that all levels can engage in a shared experience in hopes of bridging the gap of awareness and opportunities. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. I am. I'm Tom Foley. I I feel like I'm a, a guest DJ, harkening back to <laughs> maybe the, the the 90s, early 2000s, where you have that that guest DJ. I'm thrilled to be joining you. Uh, I am uh, an advocate, certainly an ally for inclusivity. Working with Next Up often on their allyship program. Uh, I'm also a New Yorker turned Texan and an attorney turned restaurateur. So. Uh, I may come at this uh, at a few different angles, but love that we have some amazing guests joining us today and filling in for the shoes of uh, Sarah Alter. I'm excited for today. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks. And I, I always love how your energy, Tom, it's always so full and I absolutely love it. And can you send us some breakfast, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, we're standing in as co-host for Sarah Alter for this week's episode, Allyship in Action. Tom and I are part of a trio for Next Up Beyond Allies program, and Tom also facilitates our allyship workshop. So it's pretty safe to say that we're both deeply committed to the importance of allyship in advancing all women and improving our world for all marginalized communities. Today, we're going to be talking about the work that we've done with our partners and members to cultivate strong allies and how to truly take action for allyship. I'm joined by two incredible guests this week. Let's let them introduce themselves. Sharon, let's start with you. Tell us why you're here and a bit more about your personal and professional journey. Hi, and and, uh, pleasure to be here today. Sharon Hart, I'm the uh, Chief Information Officer at Acosta, uh, based out of Jacksonville, Florida. And um, like many of you, uh, I've had so many different and I feel so many different roles in my life. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a daughter, I'm a aunt, I'm a niece, um, I'm a, a sibling, uh, a parent, a partner, uh, and a friend. And one thing I've learned um, uh, as I've led teams with all those different roles in my life is that uh, we all have one thing in common when we are living in all those roles. And that's we're all part of a community. We're all part of belonging to that community and making that community a positive place to be. So for for me and my role as a leader, um, it's about creating a positive environment, one that's inclusive for others. And uh, I'm here today to just share my thoughts about that and my learnings on my journey. Thanks, Sharon. We'll hand it over to James. Thanks, Sharon, and good morning. Um, My name is James Evans, and I just celebrated my 22nd work anniversary with General Mills. Happy Um, anniversary. Thank you. Um, So when I think Tom said 
something about breakfast, I've got breakfast covered because I get <laughs> in my job to sell Cheerios and Nature Valley and YoPlay yogurt. So breakfast is on me. Um, but uh, in my current position, um, I'm responsible for developing our omni-channel sales strategy with Kroger, um, and I'm based in Minneapolis. I'm here today to talk about my own allyship journey um, and to talk about my experience working uh, in the Beyond Allies program this year. I was a part of the program uh, that Tom and Kristen led um, and so um, I'm really excited to uh, learn today and also share a little bit about my own experience um, as, as an ally and, and what I'm doing on my own, my own journey. Thanks, James. I love and I, I appreciate uh, Cheerios. I mean, they always say Cheerios are good for the heart, right? Today, we're going to be talking about the work of the heart. And I love it. You got it. Well, excellent. Following, following this, the steps in in the process for allyship. Sharon, I would love to jump in and ask you uh, a little bit more personally, what what brought you to, particularly in your workplace, focus on allyship? I know in, in that journey, as you talk about being a leader and ensuring that your team feels like they belong to a community, it was important that that you emphasize that and create that positive environment. How did you land on uh, ultimately working with Next Up and focusing on allyship. So my journey is, is uh, I, I think, to be an interesting one. I was, I was raised in a, a fairly conservative household. Uh, my role as um, a woman um, in my journey in life was set with some conservative norms. Um, my decision to uh, enter engineering school, uh, my degrees in aerospace engineering and engineering mechanics, but my desire to go into engineering school and become a, a, a professional uh, person um, uh, was a, a path that as a woman uh, was not only uh, breaking the norms of my family, but also breaking the norms at the time for the universities that I studied in. And um, I, I felt strongly about it. Um, just to give you like a reference point, 50 people in my graduating class is a as an engineer and only two of us were women. And so um, I learned early on uh, what I thought was the appropriate way to navigate being a professional woman. And uh, I pride myself on making sure that other women have opportunities and there's an inclusive environment created for them. Um, and I really thought I was doing a good job with that. And then you fast forward to, um, you know, through 20 years of my career uh, a year ago, and I found myself in a setting with my direct reports who, um, who are uh, a lot of people with um, some positional power and authority. And some of the actions and the words they used, although there wasn't malicious intent, they certainly weren't inclusive and certainly not inclusive towards women. And I had a big aha moment that um, under my watch, an environment had been created that I had not intended to have created. Uh, nevertheless, it was there. So um, I have a great partner uh, in, in our HR function at Acosta. Uh, and she was incredibly supportive and a very good guide. And the two of us have a longstanding um, career relationship with uh, Next Step. 
And so it felt like a really good partnership to get some guidance because my approach was, let me teach my leaders how to create an inclusive environment. Let me teach them how to be good allies. There was no malicious intent. They needed to learn. And so that's what brought me to, uh, to you, Tom, and to the sessions we had. And I know in some of our conversations, Sharon, we, we spoke about some of the particular challenges, especially when you, you think of inclusive language and your focus predominantly in a STEM-based field. Uh, you've matured professionally in a STEM-based field where uh, I know I'm an attorney by background, but I, even I can do the math that 4% of your graduating class were, were women. Uh, that's, that's a challenge in and of itself. Uh, and then you, you have on top of it uh, some recent articles that have emphasized, but we know this has been the case, what we'll call the, the good guy excuse, uh, which is, you know, that's not the language. That's not what they mean, right? There's no malicious intent, like you said, Sharon. They're just language that, whether it's not as thoughtful as it should be, but that's not really what they mean. Let's, let's look past it. And I know that, as you talk about it under your watch, that we can't look past it. We have to focus on how we're creating that inclusive language I'm interested for your thought process when you when you think through that, particularly in uh, you know a STEM-based field that may be data-driven, where you're now going to introduce uh, you know a focus on allyship and inclusivity. Uh, were there any immediate challenges that you thought about, and then how you could potentially overcome those challenges? I certainly wanted to be authentic. Um, I wasn't interested in being uh, with with the um, with my role, there comes some power, of course, and I didn't want to misuse or misdirect that. So for me, it wasn't uh, standing up on a pedestal and, and screaming at the top of my lungs that we needed to do something different. It was about teaching the team. Now, I learned a long time ago that uh, as a leader, you need to turn around on a regular basis and make sure people are still following you. So for me, it was about um, putting the conditions in place for the team to learn and to feel comfortable and vulnerable and be able to move forward. The other thing that needed to happen is I needed to be able to translate um, the business value in, 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 um, in the strategy. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you, if you share the power of your, your position, if you treat everyone with dignity and respect, it's going to yield productive results for the company. So there was a business reason. The business math made sense. In addition to being a good community and being a good leader of the community, there's outcomes for the business that make sense. If you can translate as an engineer, you learn this. If you can translate the technology into business language, you get to influence and you get to change the day. If you can translate the cultural change, the transformation into business language, you get influence and you get to change the day. And so that's always been my focus. And, and I know, Sharon, we can, we can have a, a deep conversation, but I want to, I want to keep us uh, on topic. We need to have a deep conversation around the, the challenge of presenting the business case, the idea that data drives decisions. Uh, but at the end of the day, when we talk about allyship, it's not such a formulaic result. One plus one doesn't equal two necessarily through the intangible component of, of allyship as you think through that process. 
I know we're beginning the journey with Acosta, and we've had uh, one opportunity to meet with your senior leadership team. I'd love you to share just any quick feedback or uh, takeaways that you had from that, that first uh, journey that we took together. The, the objective we had um, was really to bring, if you're on the management team in IT, I wanted to bring the management team along on this journey. I wanted to create a new environment, a new way of working, a new way of thinking that would be really inclusive, again, driving us back to this productivity. I had a unique opportunity where uh, my full direct report team was going to be in one physical location, which given what's going on um, with COVID over the years, we don't all work in the same communities any longer, the same cities. So we had a unique opportunity that we were going to be in one location. Uh, Vicki and I, that's my HR partner, Vicki and I seized that moment in partnership with you, Tom, to pull that team together to have a moment where we could be um, open to a new way of thinking and working. And I actually didn't know what was going to transpire through that conversation, but I will tell you that it was very cathartic for the team. Uh, each team member shared something deeply personal that um, shaped how they come to the table, how they think about inclusivity, how they think about what their role is. And, um, and they, were, they, were, they were emotional uh, stories. They, they, were, um, they were vulnerable. And I hadn't expected that. And coming together like that has now positioned us for the upcoming sessions to really be authentic and to really change the way we work. And we're all now grounded in wanting to create a different type of community than how we were operating. Difficult to get engineers to show that soft, authentic side. And, um, and that would, would be what I would say was the most compelling part of the conversation. And uh, in, in Sharon, having been able to participate in that, that session, a lot of it is through what you had shared earlier, uh, your leadership and being vulnerable in your story as well. Uh, and I, I, I wasn't quite as surprised, uh, you know, I, engineers, lawyers, doctors, accountants, we're all people. Uh, and, and when you scratch that surface and get to that deeper, that deeper result, you tend to have some of those those breakthroughs that build community. Kristen, I'd love for you to kind of pull James into the conversation as well and get some of his thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, I had the pleasure of meeting you this uh, a few months ago in Chicago, where yes. our regional leaders got together uh, to brainstorm and, and work together uh, after being apart for two years. Uh, and so I learned that you are a regional volunteer. Tell us how you got involved in Next Up. Well, um, that, that was a fun meeting in Chicago, by the way. Um, so um, I mentioned earlier that I celebrated my 22nd anniversary. And to me, and probably for a lot of people, anniversaries prompt reflection. And so I was going to lunch. I was meeting a friend of mine, Ebony Wyatt. <clears throat> Ebony also works for General Mills. I've known her for long time, probably 15 years. And we met for lunch and we were just talking. And um, I shared with her that I was 
I felt like I was at an inflection point professionally and personally, and I wanted to do something different with, with my energy. And, you know, what Ebony shared with me is, Hey, I, I am a co I'm the co-chair of the, at the time network of executive women, twin cities now next up. And would you ever think about getting involved? And I thought about it. And my first response was, well, I, my understanding was this is a women's organization, network of executive women. And she said, James, we need men. We need male allies. Um, we have a few, but give it a shot. Come, come join us, come, come volunteer. And, um, and, and that's what happened. Um, so Ebony convinced me and it didn't take a lot of convincing, um, but convinced me um, to join. And so now um, I'm in a really fortunate position to work on the board here locally in the Twin Cities as the operations officer. So that's how I came to Next Up. It was really those just a happenstance lunch with a friend talking about um, work and life and, um, and investing in yourself. That's amazing. So you were also a part of our last cohort of Beyond Allies this past spring. Uh, tell us what led you to get involved in the program. I mean, you were already on a journey of allyship and uh, you stood up as a volunteer. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, no, um, I, I, um, so I, I, a simple, simple story. I, I was offered the opportunity to participate in the program through my company, General Mills. Um, there's been a, a really sharp focus on allyship, um, training, and education. And so I was given the opportunity to participate in the program. Um, what, I, what I didn't necessarily know is what it was going to be about other than the emails that I got ahead of time and some of the pre-work. But um, I was um, I went into the program not knowing exactly what to expect um, and then uh, came out of it with, um, with, I think, a much better understanding of how I can show up and um, how, I can, how I can work going forward. Amazing. Uh, so you mentioned about your company sent you. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about just your your journey uh, to want to be a stronger ally in general? There there have been a couple of examples that I can share with you of moments that have stood out for me. Um, I I worked on this is probably ten years ago now. I worked on a leadership team, um, and I was the only man. And I remember walking into a meeting uh, with an outside partner and the assumption was made that I was the boss and I wasn't. And that stood out to me as an example of the assumptions, again, that were made mm -hmm. uh, walking into the room that because I was the only man that I must have been the leader and I wasn't. Um, so that that's one thing that stood out to me. Um, another one was um, a bit more personal, and that is, um, I had I had a uh, this also was was many years ago, but I had someone uh, that reported to me, um, and this this person started to have 
quite a quite a lot of absences from work um, at random times and with without a lot of explanation. And so my my antenna start to go up and I start to get curious about um, what's happening. And I I start to think, boy, is I, I hope she's not looking for another job or not, you know, something like that. And so um, in one of our updates, we we just we kind of talked about this and she got really emotional and she said, you know, I have been taking unexcused absences because I'm going through fertility treatments and I didn't know how to talk to you about that. And I didn't know if you would think that was maybe frivolous or maybe you wouldn't understand it. And so both of those examples for me showed me that a women do face unique challenges in the workplace. And I wanted to learn how to have conver- have those types of conversations with people. I want to create an environment where people feel like they can come to me and say, hey, I have this um, this this thing that I'm trying to navigate. Um, what what language do I use? How do I best support them? And so those are two examples I can share of of uh, experiences that um, led me to want to um, think about how I can show up better. So you're already on this journey to becoming a stronger ally. You have these experiences uh, where that kind of shaped your perspective. Uh, I'm sure going into Beyond Allies, you had to think, oh, this program is is going to teach me something that I already know. Uh, Did you have that expectation at all? Well, a little bit, you know, you, so you get the, you get the email explaining the course. And the first thing I saw was it takes place over three months. And I thought, oh my gosh, how is this going to be possible? Every training or, or development program I've been in is usually a crash course where you, you know, sit in a conference room, uh, for four days and, um, you know, just drink coffee nonstop and, and, and so um, what I appreciated about it was, um, although it took place over a four-month period or three-month period, um, it was once a week. And so what that allowed you is time to really think, process, and reflect. You sit with other people, you talk about um, the the coursework, you share, you discuss, but then that break between sessions really gives you a chance to put what you're learning into practice. And that's what we love to uh, encourage our allies to do uh, is to act, right? Not just to walk away with additional information, but to do something about it, to use those in the moment opportunities. Um, Were there any other takeaways or ahas that you had in the program? There was an emotional intelligence assessment uh, that all of the participants were able to take. Were there anything uh, that stood out to you in that? You, you know, you you also get to build relationships with other people, other men and women, and it was it was a, mostly men, but but there were women in the course as well, um, from all over the country, working in different industries at different companies, and um, you know, again, I go back to uh, development courses that I've been in generally are with people that I work with every day or that I know really well, and I thought there was value in hearing uh, exp- about experiences and perspectives from people that that do work that's different than my own. 
um, and uh, and and uh, may have different backgrounds and and experiences than I do. So I I took I took a lot away from that, and the EQ assessment that you mentioned was super helpful. Um, to get that to take away and kind of think about, okay, what are the things that I want to take as my um, my learning opportunities um, coming out of this course? James, I, I thought you said the reason you joined Beyond Allies was the amazing facilitators. I, I missed I missed that part <laughs> in, in your explanation. Well, that, I yeah, I forgot that, but yes, that that was right up there. Uh, amazing facilitation, exactly. Well, I, you know, I, I I led that question. There's the attorney in me with the the leading question. I I love the example that you shared about the woman report and the fertility treatment, and I tie that back together with the three month program of Beyond Allies, where you highlighted the aspect that you really get to sit, reflect, and think. Uh, after each session, and I'm going to to take a guess that after you had that conversation with the woman that said she's having fertility treatments, that you know you didn't know how to react. I'm sure in the moment necessarily, and then you reflect, you think, and it probably impacts you in a much greater way and a feeling that you had as opposed to the the reaction when you first heard that conversation. Uh, and for me. Uh, it, it reminded me when I was reading a, an article yesterday about Serena Williams' exit from tennis, where she talks about the challenges of uh, being a professional tennis player or being a mom, and that she wouldn't have that challenge if she was being a professional player or a dad. And what I did is after I read the article, I stopped and thought about it for a while. I go for a run in the morning. I thought about it on my run this morning to as we talk about and beyond allies, get in the skin of Serena Williams. What is she really thinking and feeling? Because James on, on this podcast with Kristen and Sharon, you know, we're certainly not going to relate to motherhood in, in any yeah. fashion. So yeah. we really have to feel it. That's right. So I love yeah. that. It's this feeling of that you have to choose that you have to choose uh, and you shouldn't have to choose. Yeah. It's amazing. I know we're, we're going to head into commercial break. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to Advancing All Women. When we return, uh, we're going to put James and Sharon on the hot seat a little bit. Uh, we're going to ask for ways that leaders and companies can take real action for allyship. So stay tuned and join us. Thanks. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership.
You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back. You're listening to Advancing All Women podcast. Today, we're discussing how leaders and companies can take real action for allyship And in the second half of our discussion today, we're going to take a deeper dive into best practices for strong allies. We're joined by Sharon Hart, who is CIO at Acosta, and James Evans, celebrating 22 years at uh, General Mills. So happy anniversary and and welcome back. Uh, We have two amazing leaders on this podcast. Uh, So I think Kristen and I were talking about uh, throwing a few questions out there and maybe standing aside and let James and Sharon share a little bit more and uh, maybe pull from one another uh, as to great steps for leadership. Sharon, I'd love to start with you uh, and ask you your thoughts and guidance and suggestions uh, as we think about allyship in the workplace. It's uh, making sure that we are being intentionally inclusive and creating that sense of belonging. Uh, that's easy to say in a sentence, uh, unbelievably hard to put into active practice. And as you said, uh, maybe particularly so when you're dealing with engineers that are uh, data-driven to a, a great extent. Uh, I'd love to get your first thoughts and, and certainly invite you and James to, to work together to, to share guidance uh, for others and other leaders on how you're going to build allyship and that, that sense of belonging in the workplace. Thanks for that, Tom. And as I was listening to James share his journey, his experiences, uh, you know, I, I reflected on that and what became, what became top of mind for me was, you know, early in my career as a leader, um, I would have situations occur that I took action against. And so part of that is being an engineer. So, you know, you never meet a problem statement you don't love. So you see a problem statement, you're going to take action. So like by way of example, um, as I was coming back into the workplace, uh, I, am, I am a mother um, and uh, I was a, a nursing mother coming back into the workplace. Um, it became clear to me that it was really difficult to be able to um, take care of, of, of your obligations as a nursing mother when you were in the work environment. And um, I, I took the opportunity to um, transform my office. I put shades in my office. We put, uh, I put a refrigerator in my office. Um, and, um, and I put a sign-up sheet outside of my office for all working mothers to come in and uh, be able to pump and use it like a mother's nursing station during the day. And I stopped actually using my office. So I share this story because I took that as an action. Here's a problem in the work environment. I'm going to take these steps, implement this program to change the day. And I think what I have learned through the conversations, uh, Tom, that you help facilitate and maybe um, a more wisdom approach to leading is that it isn't just programs you put in place with a checkbox around these programs. It's a different way of leading. It's checking your ego at the door. It's watching how you lead. It's choosing your words. It's looking for opportunities to share the, the, uh, the power and, um, in the environment and really change that. It's cultural change, 
not just set of activities. I don't know, James, if that resonates well, with you. It does. And I was going to say, um, Sharon, what I like about your story is it reminds me of of something that was said to me that I've carried with me. And that is, I, I was having a bad day one day. Um, and my boss at the time pulled me into her office and said, what gives? Like, you're, 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 I can tell something's not right. And I was kind of surprised that she noticed. And she said to me, you need to remember that when you manage and lead a team, people draft off of you and they notice those things and you influence behavior um, outside of your own sphere. And so as I think about your example, Sharon, of setting up your office like that, you know, people take those cues. And it, that that example of when she, when she told me, you know, it's it's I guess it's obvious when you say it out loud, but it made me step back and think it's okay to have a bad day. In my example, but I needed to remember that people look to you to set a tone and to set an example, whether you're in the C-suite or you're a manager on a team. And so, in your example of setting the tone of this is this is how I want to run the office. This is this is okay. This is the environment that, that I want to create. It reminded me of that example of my own of leaders. Um, leaders uh, have an obligation to remember that they um, they can uh, create a lot of uh, change and tone in a workplace. Yeah, I grew up in retail. I spent 17 years. I had the pleasure of of, uh, of being really retail technology. 17 years. It was a really great mm-hmm. experience. And one of the things you learn in retail, of course, is that there's a back room and then there's the theater of the store. Mm. And so you always talk about which location are you? What's the theater of the store? What's the culture? What's the experience for your customers that you want to ensure happens through that moment, through that engagement with your with your customers as they come into the store? I think about leading the same way. Mm. We got a we got a we got a back room. We got the whatever's happening in our personal professional lives that is the reality of the situation. And then I actually visualize myself walking through the door into the theater of what is our role as leaders. Because in that very moment, you're leading, you're influencing so many people. What you say, what you do, how you act changes their day, changes the kind of productivity, the kind of thing they do. you know, and I think we have to be careful to realize when we have a moment that requires a mental health day. You know, when we say, you know, today's not a day for me to be leading people. Right. right. Check out. You know. Right. Yeah, I I I love that, and I I completely agree. I've never heard that theater uh, analogy. I think that's terrific. But um, yeah, it is. I think when you when you start to manage people, you do take on um, that responsibility, and you have to be aware. Um, you have to be aware of that. What I heard, uh, what stood out to me as you both were uh, sharing your experience is that um, modeling allyship, right? What good looks like in in leadership. Uh, And one of the things that stood out to me with that is how important it is uh, as a leader to, and as an individual uh, in the workplace or just in general, to be authentic in the actions that you take and uh, really looking to 
being attentive to those in the moment opportunities where they're a part of what's in your control um, and how difficult it's almost like allyship is pulling on this unconventional concept of, of being authentic. And as Sharon said, like being putting on this front, if you will, uh, for the front facing portion of the store, as opposed to those things that we hold on. And so now the workplace and culture in general is calling on leaders to be more present uh, and be authentic and to be themselves in the workplace. So I love that. Another thing I would share that has been helpful for me is um, tell people what you're working on. So um, it's, I think about it a little bit like um, when you're going to the gym. So I, I love to exercise, especially through the pandemic. It has been my, um, my escape. And it's kind of like, for me, when I don't show up at the gym, my friends say, where were you? Like they hold me accountable. And similarly to allyship, um, put it on your development plan, tell people what you're working on, um, put it out there um, because they can help hold you accountable um, to, uh, are, are you doing this or not? Is it performative or authentic? Um, and so that would be my other advice and something that I've tried to get better at too, is, um, be more overt about putting those things on my own development plan to say to people, this is something that I'm actively trying to get better at. Um, and I need your help. Um, but I need you to know about it so that you can hold me accountable. It goes back really far back in our careers to the learning books, the, um, from Covey you know, and he always talked about character and competency, you know, so do you have the competency to do your role? Okay. Check. You hope that you continue to build yourself there, but character, who are you bringing into the workplace? What tone are you setting? Um, and, and we all have things to work on in both the competency and the character side of the equations. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said, uh, and James, um, with uh, accountability, what do you say to uh, the person who wants to be a stronger ally, but they don't feel that they have all the, the right answers um, and they're maybe just starting on their journey or somewhere in between? Um, what do you say to them who, I guess, when we think about accountability, that may not want to put themselves out there? Um, I, I think... Um... I think there are small things you can do to start. Um, so um, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll give you a quick work example, if that's okay. Um, all of our, we call them at General Mills affinity networks. Um, and, you know, you can, you may not be a member of one of those affinity networks or ERGs, but you can opt in to, receive emails to understand what's going on. You can follow the conversation online on their um, intranet pages. You can attend meetings. And sometimes even if you're not an active participant, just showing up and sitting in a chair is really powerful because it shows people that you're there, you're present, you wanna take that first step. You don't always have to go to from being, um, 
you know, and, and all the way to being an activist necessarily, you know, there's steps along the way that you can do. So that would be the first thing I would say is there are small things you can do to, um, to, to, to start, uh, building your allyship muscle that if you're uncomfortable jumping in with two feet. Um, the other thing I would say is find find people, um, find a person that you feel comfortable asking what you can do better. Put it out there. And it takes some bravery um, to to do that, but find someone that you can you can go to lunch with, um, go to happy hour with and say, hey, you know, um, I, he I hear a lot about this. I don't really know what it means, but um, are the things that you think I could do um, uh, to uh, to build this muscle? Um, and, you know, I, I think about my own experience and I'll tie it back to what brought me to next up of going to lunch with Ebony, right? And saying, hey, I'm, I feel like I'm at a little bit of an inflection point. I wanna invest some more in myself. And she said, get involved in next up. I would never have probably done that. And that just came from a simple lunch with a friend. So asking what you can do and getting comfortable in that way, um, I think can be a good first step too. I like the, uh, the finding uh, somebody that you, you can trust and be vulnerable with James. And I, I think about looking for, I seek opportunities for this uh, inside out perspective. Um, it, you know, as I, I mentioned uh, earlier that I had a, a moment where I realized my team's behaviors weren't what I would expect to create an inclusive environment. Um, after that event, um, I, I went deeper into the organization and I found a couple women in the organization that were leaders, that were respected leaders. Um, and I was vulnerable with them and um, ask for their feedback about what it's like to be a woman in the organization. What does it feel like? When you, when you start your day, when you work your day, at the end of your day, how do you feel? And is there anything about that? And I learned so much through that conversation that changed my thinking, uh, but they, um, they were only, I believe, open to sharing that with me because you know now I'm three or four levels into the organization. They were only open to sharing that because I was vulnerable with them. What I like about that, and I'm thinking about what you said at the very beginning of the conversation, Sharon, is my my hope would be that those women that you talked to um, were um, they 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 loved that you even asked the question. And what I hope is that they start to show up to work with more confidence, with more inspiration, and they show up to do their best and it does drive better business outcomes. I mean, just to take it all the way back to how you kicked off the conversation. I mean, I think these are important things to do because we want to be good people and be good to the people that we work with, but they do drive better business outcomes. They drive more cohesion amongst the team. Um, they, um, you know, just all of these things, I think ultimately do benefit the organization. They're the right things to do for, for people, for one another, but there, there is also a benefit from a business standpoint to, to having those conversations. So I hope that those women that you sought out and asked for their opinions felt that. And my guess is they did. And that I hope that then they start to show up and they're their best selves at work. Right. It's really, 
we have to hold each other's leaders accountable for this creating, shaping, fostering this positive, inclusive community environment. Like that's what we're accountable to do really. And then it's about, you create that environment, you put those conditions in place and you step back and you let the team do the work, you know, and really create something magical, I think for, for the companies they work for. And Sharon, I'm, I'm so happy to hear how involved you've been in this process. I know uh, a lot of times in organizations, uh, executive leadership aren't always involved in the process, right? Sometimes uh, in building an inclusive environment or, or culture uh, overall, it's not, it's saying it's not just a DEI matter. Uh, and so I'm sure in you being vulnerable and having those conversations, uh, you know, has helped provide some buy-in and, and, and support uh, from a leader. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I repeat three words every day. That I know it's going to sound maybe a little bit silly, but I hold myself accountable to these and that's be the change. Mm-hmm. And I start every day with that. That's great. James, you touched on something and I, I, I want to ask both you and Sharon a little bit more of the, how do you do this on a daily basis uh, to build your team? To your point on the business case, we know that in study after study, whether it's 60%, 65% of employees will leave the workplace if they do not feel emotionally safe. If they don't feel a sense of belonging, you're going to have significant attrition. If you create that sense of belonging, study after study continually will tell you, you spark innovation and creativity, which obviously is going to convert to profit. You can look at the data that will justify the business case. So now as leaders, you're put in a position of creating, as Sharon said, the magic to happen amongst the team. And that's tough. As Sharon shared in our first segment, as we went into the first step of our journey, Uh, with the senior leaders, her comment was, I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't know what's going to happen coming out of it. And I want to give one example and then ask how you and and Sharon put this in place. When we host different workshops, one of the breakout sessions we have is, you know, James, tell us who you are. And you'll tell us, I've been working at General Mills for 22 years. And so what? Right? And then and we go back to another breakout and I say, James, now tell me who you really are. And in a matter of 12 minutes with two different breakouts, six minutes each, we have everyone that participates in those breakout sessions go, I made some friends. And what we emphasize is it took you six minutes to make a friend because you were vulnerable. And that creates that sense of belonging. James, I don't know if you have an answer to it, but if you do... I may copyright it and trademark it, <laughs> but how do you do that in the workplace where you, you know, it's not as easy as six minutes, but you create that connectivity amongst your team. Um, gosh, that's a, that is a really hard question. And I, I don't have a great answer for you, except to say one of the things that, um, one of the things that I have uh, gotten better at doing and, and have stolen with pride from other people is, you know, whenever we join a team, I'm sure all of us have, the the standard one pager where we put our name and our number of years with the company and pictures of our family on vacation. Um, what, what I have 
done on that is um, instead of just having it be a work bio, um, I put on there um, uh, two things. Um, I have one line that says, here's how, here's how I show up. Um, so I, I put on there, here's how I show up. So when you see me, this is what you should expect. And then I put on here, here's what I'm working on. Um, and so um, that is a way that um, I hope starts some conversation because it gives people permission to talk about themselves in a more authentic way if I'm doing that. And so on that, like I said, one pager rather than, you know, I did this job for three years and then I moved into this job for four years. Um, I have tried to focus on a little bit more of that. Um, here's how you're going to see me show up at work. Um, and, um, uh, and, uh, and these are the, these are the one or two things that I'm working on. It's, it goes back to that holding, holding each other accountable. Um, so, um, so that's Tom, I guess, to answer your question a, a little bit, um, how I've tried to, to do that myself. I, I think that's ideal, especially where you're sharing a little bit more about who James is. Uh, we've, uh, on, on the next up team, we've talked about it being not our biography, but our whyography. Mm -hmm. you know, why, why are you doing this and uh, what's important to you? Uh, Sharon, did you have any thoughts to add to, to James to what may be a, a, a rather difficult question to answer in a, in a short <laughs> period of time? I, I have a, a similar strategy and then I'll, maybe I'll add on one of the things I do. Um, do create, it's similar to what you're talking about, James. I create a me in the minute. Um, mm. It's just a slide, but it's only pictures. There are no words there. They're pictures of family, hobbies, professional organizations you've been part of, educational organizations, where, where you've lived, just pictures of things. And each member of the team shares their me in a minute. And, you know, I always say at the end, now you know me, so... So communicate with me, get a hold of me. You know me now. You just, just get a hold of me. I am me. If you need me, if you want to talk, whatever, it doesn't matter. The other thing I, I um, have learned to do through a great mentor I had is, you know, I, so typical engineer, I make a task list of things that I'm going to do to go after some kind of problem I'm going to solve. And I operate on that list every day. And I had this mentor tell me once, you know, you need to add to that list somebody you're going to build a relationship with and treat the building of relationship and the establishing of an authentic connection with somebody as part of your job. Um, and so I've, I've done that. And now I hold myself accountable at the end of the week. I think, did I, did I actually go after working, building a relationship with that individual? Some weeks I do great. Other weeks I fall down, but, uh, but I hold myself to that. Gosh, I love that idea. I've never, I've never heard of that, Sharon. That idea of, you know, on your development plan or on your weekly agenda to put on there names of people that you want to make sure you connect with, that maybe are outside of your typical work circle. I think that's a great, uh, great suggestion. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, especially working remotely. You know, I'll just call people on teams and um, unannounced and it's a video call. And, you know, when I first started doing it, I think people reacted in a shocked manner. Now I'm just getting more acceptance to, oh, here she is calling me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Those are great tips. 
And what I love about what you both have shared uh, is that it's an approach and a strategy that is unique and authentic to both of you, right? You may have heard or learned about pieces of it from someone else, uh, but you tried it out and got good results and decided to to make it your own. And that's amazing. Uh, Tom, do you have any final thoughts? Yes. So I I asked both James and Sharon a a pretty tough question, uh, but I wouldn't have asked a tough question if I didn't have my own answers. So I want to compliment James and Sharon as leaders showing up, showing out, speaking about these conversations, uh, being vulnerable are keys. And by joining this podcast today, you are showing that, that leadership. It's these simple steps to show to your team that it's important and it's a priority for you to create that inclusive environment. Sharon, I love the me in a minute. Uh, when we start off meetings, uh, one of my break, uh, you know, break the ice is show me a photo on your phone and tell me about it. All right, just pick a photo because pe- it's all personal at that point, right? You, you get a lot of pets showing up, you get a lot of travel showing up, but it's, it's their chance to tell them who they are. Uh, just kind of pulling this all together, I, I, I love what we heard about both the intrapersonal and interpersonal components of allyship. Uh, one, Sharon, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use a tagline of just do it. When you were talking about uh, seeing the, the problem in the workplace and solving it, that's leading by action, uh, setting up the nursing station within your office. Hopefully Acosta has its own designated space now uh, where it isn't your office, but that's just doing it. James, when you talk about the drafting off of you, I, like I said, I, I'm a turned restaurateur. We talk about our servers, not as servers, but as leaders. When you go up to the table, you're leading that entire experience and your energy, and we do use the word theater, Sharon, right? You're putting on a play at that table. You're going to create the energy in that table. You're going to create whether they feel like they belong at our table. And it's your goal to make sure that they feel like they belong. So sometimes we get caught in titles, but you can lead for wherever you are. Uh, And uh, we talk about empathy being core components, cultivating curiosity, getting outside of your comfort zone, receiving and inviting feedback, and then examining your own thoughts and biases. And James and Sharon, you hit on all of those. Uh, So amazing leadership, uh, amazing allies. Thank you for joining us today. Kristen, if you want to kind of close us out for this podcast, but a deep thank you in allowing me to, to guest host and step in. Yeah, I cannot believe that we are out of time. I want to thank everyone for listening in today. I want to thank our incredible guests for sharing their perspectives and giving all of us some great tips to walk away with. I want to thank Voice America for giving Next Up the opportunity to share our voice and our mission with all of you. To learn more about Next Up, check us out at nextupisnow.org. The Advancing All Women podcast will be taking a brief season break after this week's episode, and we will return in September. So keep an eye on our social media channels for the next episode. Episode. I'm Kristen Lee, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. 
Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.